Welcome to the WWE Podcast Monday Night Raw review for this Tuesday, May 31st, 2022. We've got a lot to cover tonight as Hell in a Cell is just a few days away, including the Cody and Seth pull-apart brawl, WWE insulting Liv Morgan, although maybe not intentionally, Bianca and Asuka go head-to-head on Monday Night Raw, and Bobby Lashley and Omos have their contract signing. We're going to talk about this and so much more with brand new Patreon co-host Ian McAllister right after this. You got to check out the Mentality Show. If you could be a fly on the wall and could hear how men think and really want to hear what goes on in the minds of everyday men, then you should check out the Mentality Show every Wednesday at 6 p.m. on YouTube and Facebook Live. Real men, real talk. The Mentality Show. You can find them anywhere you stream podcasts and YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Just look up The Mentality Show. This is WWE superstar Drew McIntyre, and you're listening to the WWE Podcast. The one that everybody wants, me. Hey everybody and welcome to the WWE Podcast Monday Night Raw Review. We're going to get to Ian and myself in just one second. By the way, great conversation that we had for the first time talking. You'd never know it was our first time doing a show together, but uh, I mean, sometimes you just have natural chemistry and when you have a love and a common passion for, for a, a specific genre, then you connect pretty quickly and... It was a great show. So we're going to talk about Monday Night Raw in just a second, but I want to just let everyone know, especially given that it's Hell in a Cell week, if you want to join us on Patreon and get everything ad-free, do that now. It's a dollar to get in the door. Everything's ad-free. Every show that we do has no ads, and you can get yourself involved and on board for a dollar at WWE Podcast at patreon.com slash WWE Podcast. You also get access to the Discord server that you can chat with all the other patrons with during the live show and really at any time. So that's available in the dollar tier as well. You can also follow us on any podcast app you have. You can do 99 cents a month on Apple Podcasts for ad-free, or you can, of course, go to our website, www.wwepodcast.com, and sign up for a membership. Go VIP, you get video, and you get uh, uh, a few video updates, and you get everything ad-free as well on our website. So, all right, let's let's just jump right into it, guys. Let's just jump into Ian and myself talking about Monday Night Raw. A lot of content coming up this week. Don't forget, tomorrow is the mailbag with Mr. and Mrs. Casual Wrestling Fan. Get your emails into me, mailbag at WWEpodcast.com. I'll forward it on to the casual wrestling fan, Mr. and Mrs. Casual Wrestling Fan, and then I'll be doing voicemails. After that, normally I'd wrap my week up, but since it's a pay-per-view or a premium live event week, I'm going to be doing a preview and prediction show probably on Friday as well as the uh, review show Sunday night. So thank you, everybody, for listening. As always, take care, and I'll talk to you next time. Welcome to the WWE Podcast Monday Night Raw Review, and guys, I've got a brand new co-host with me tonight, a patron of the show. You guys in the Discord server know him as Whisper in the Wind, 
But the rest of you who are not on the Discord server will now know him as Ian McAllister, who is with us all the way from New Hampshire, very, very far away from you in, in reality, probably just a few hours. But hey, uh, welcome to the show, Ian. How you doing, brother? I'm doing great. How you doing, man? I am doing just as good as I can be with uh, two little ones running around and, uh, you know, it's 10 o'clock at night and we have no sleep, but hey, uh, all is right in the world. And uh, before we get going, I want to just give everyone a little bit of a a background on yourself um, and let them know, hey, like how long have you been a fan and, you know, what what got you into wrestling? So I honestly... Uh, watch wrestling. Uh, so I'm 30 years old right now. And uh, I started watching when I was like about eight years old, nine years old. And uh, I, I don't know, uh, like, honestly, for me, um, unfortunately, like growing up, uh, you know, my, my dad was like sick a lot. So um, I was really just with my brother a lot at home. And uh, it was it was almost for me, it was an escape, um, you know, looking at especially as like an eight or nine year old, you're looking at all these guys as like superheroes and just role models and you look up to them. Um, and, and for me, it was, it was always from day one. It was, it was Jeff Hardy as anyone could probably guess with my name, whisper in the wind. Um, but what, what really made me fall in love with it, obviously before social media got into it and, you know, I was very young was the WWF versus the Alliance in survivor series. Uh, because I genuinely thought, whoever lost was going to be out of a job out of that company. And it was great, you know, but I think in today's time, kids now wouldn't believe that at all because of the social media and all the information. So I was just grateful to start watching wrestling really, you know, at the end of the attitude era and it, it was still at its peak um, and just keep watching it now. I can't I, even, even if it's, you know, some bad episodes, you know, I just, it's one of those things you just, I can't get rid of. I, can't stop watching it <laughs> it's something that's once it's in your blood even if you go through months of bad programming and just you know sometimes eye rolling or embarrassing content not everything is bad but when you have really bad shows consistently you still stick with it it's it's amazing it's like this this uh, drug that you can't get out of your system because of the moments that you see sometimes in wrestling that just pull you back in you have those moments that just grab you and uh, that will remind you oh this is why you're a fan most recently edge's return in 2020 at the royal rumble was one of those if you watch aew cm punk's return to wrestling after six seven years whatever it was you know, th- there are those moments that you have Undertaker in his retirement that you just get chills and you're like, this is why we love wrestling. So what are some of those moments for you that you know, just a couple off the top of your head that uh, I know you mentioned the alliance in 2001, that whole um, that whole invasion angle. But uh, do you have any particular moment or match or anything that you're just like, you, no matter how many times you watch it, you're just like this. This is really good stuff. So I w- I'd honestly say, you know, right before the Ruthless Aggression era or kind of in between, it, the Attitude era and the Ruthless Aggression era kind of, for me, because it's been a while, just kind of fused together. But honestly, like for a match, again, I you know, repetitive with Jeff Hardy, but Jeff Hardy versus Undertaker, that ladder match. I mean, make yourself famous, was, kid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That the because that. Um, you know, for me, that honestly kind of remind me a little bit of, you know, backtracking to Liv Morgan and Becky when they had the championship match on Raw and you're, you see her standing at the, the front of the stage, the entrance, and she takes that deep breath. And I was like, I know she's not going to win, but this is going to be like a, uh, a good field moment that'll, 
you know, unfortunately it didn't really put her in the right direction. But at that moment I was like, this is, this is great. But honestly, it's the pops anytime, you know, whether someone was rescuing somebody, a certain move, a big return, the crowd was in it. And now it's just like, uh, with, uh, I can't think of the, the Thunderdome. It's just like, you know, it's all, all fake crowd noise because they'll be booing or cheering and you, you can visibly see the, the audience and, they're just standing there. They're looking at their phone. They're, they're barely doing anything. And, you know, there is, you know, other times where I'm not sure if you've noticed, but they will do crowd reactions, but they've taken it from other scenarios. Like uh, I was listening to this other podcast and they, they stated like, because they saw themselves in the crowd and they're like, yeah, this was when, you know, everyone was chatting, cheering for Eddie Guerrero and, you know, when he passed away and they're putting that frame, you know, 15 years later because they can't find a good, you know, reaction from the crowd. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. and, yeah. and, uh, well, no, look, first of all, there are no other podcasts other than this one, right? Like, I mean, uh, I'll, I'll oh, pretend yeah. you didn't say, yeah, <laughs> no, trust me. I listen to other wrestling podcasts too. We all know who they yeah. are, but anyway, no, I, I really, I am with you and I understand exactly what you're saying. And they do, they do that. They do that somewhat frequently. And, and when they, the whole Thunderdome era was going on the pandemic era, as, um, some of us also call it, I, would I I would take advantage of that too if I was WWE production, you know, and and yeah. I was able to just play God and and just with the flick of a switch or the you know movement of a button, I could get the exact crowd reaction that I want. That the crowd at home is going to perceive as good or bad based on the crowd reaction that I get to manipulate. And so the Thunderdome era is is honestly something that. You know, you could do you could do an entire like series of episodes on. Not that I really want to even think about that era, just because it just it, it feels so depressing and so long ago now oh, yeah. that like I don't ever want to go back to review it. I mean, at some point I will, but I'm also still fearful that like in the world that we're in, we could eventually get back to that with something else that that happens. And I don't want to jinx anything or put it out into the universe that the uh, Thunderdome era part two could happen. So, um, but let's uh, let's move forward a little bit to the current product and. Um, yeah, I, I do want to ask just as a whole, how are you how do you feel about the product as we head into, well, Hell in a Cell, which is six days away? And, you know, we start to dip our toe into like SummerSlam and yeah, money in the banks there, but like SummerSlam season, the stadium shows uh, like what do you what what do you feel? How, how are you feeling about the product as a whole? Well, that's that's the thing that frustrates me is I've never been really had issues with the product it's the creative team it's the creative writing like you know when we get throughout you know the mailbag or just any comments from patrons anything like that you know certain ones when they say oh like i can't believe you know seth rollins is acting like this or so and so is doing that it's like it's not them unless they have it in their contract that they have control you know their creative writing it's the writers and i just like even like for raw like the content you know isn't the best but like if you switched a few segments around like for instance like on honestly the the ending of the show should have been that whole brawl with seth and cody that would have been an amazing way to end the show but they do a sloppy job and have bobby lashley and omos and clearly you could tell that they ran out of time because as soon as he went through the table his music went on and you see the copyright at the bottom i'm like you have three hour show and you still run out of time because you're wasting too much time with commercials and recaps. 
That's exactly right. I mean, when I saw the brawl between Cody and Seth, I actually looked at the time, the the, the ticker on my uh, on, on Hulu. I'm like, oh, well, am I already at the end of the show? Because it felt like a show ending segment. And, and it, yeah. it, it, it wasn't. And, and you know, I, for some reason, they wanted to showcase Omasa Bobby Lashley, which honestly, like some, you know, some people crap on that say, on the on that program. I think actually it has overachieved what I thought it could be, particularly because Omasa has put in a lot more effort clearly behind the scenes that we're not seeing in his in-ring ability and his uh you know his presence he's he's growing up in front of our eyes maturing as best that he as he can given his size he's very limited but I, I i do agree that if you swap those segments the the show would have a different feel that's not crapping on omas and lashley as a program just the positioning of it didn't make sense why would you not want to pull apart brawl going into hell in a cell which by the way that match is a hell in a cell match with Cody and Seth, yeah. like going into the pay-per-view, why would you not end it with the biggest match that you have? It, it really made no sense at all. Um, and, and, you know, I, I don't know. So let's move into Cody and Seth, though, as, as we're talking about it. I think one of the bright spots of the show. Uh, how are you feeling about what happened this week with uh, the, the pull apart brawl with Seth coming out through the crowd and and talking trash? Cody coming out and uh, saying, you know, what's stopping me? These three ring ropes, the barrier, they brawl through the crowd and it ends up in a, a really long pull apart brawl just when you think it's done. One of them comes back to Todd, you know, topple the other. So, what did you think about this segment? Um, honestly, it, it, I mean, talking about it, just you talking about it now, it just gave me goosebumps because it just, it, it wasn't like if you look at it, that's not that hard to create that in that show. And it feels like it's been years since we've had anything like that. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, hearing in the crowd saying, This is awesome, I haven't heard that chant in years. And all it took was a brawl. The only thing that like frustrates me is like I, I like I love both both wrestlers. Um, you know, I was kinda on the fence with Cody, but then, you know, when he came back and he's 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 really, you know, turning a corner and I think he learned a lot, you know, on his time away from WWE. But with Seth it it, it frustrates me because like, you know, he, he's doing his job. He's he's putting over not a new guy, but a new guy coming in and for, for me, I just wish, uh, you know, especially after the Royal Rumble with Seth, it looked like he was sort of having like a face turn a little bit with the whole shield music and everything. And then, you know, he's out of the title picture. I mean, he hasn't had a, a title in close to over three years now, um, you know, after he lost to The Fiend. So I, to me, I, I, I really think the last uh, matchup that they had, Seth should have won because um, that typically goes the best of three. So I, if, if Seth wins this one, I I don't know how you go forward after that. How does Cody's momentum continue into like a championship run or money in the bank? So I think, uh, yeah, and I've been talking to so many co-hosts about this, and it doesn't make sense that with how good Seth Rollins is and everybody, everybody puts him over of how good he is. Hell, Cody even said how good he is, and yet he continues to lose and lose and lose and lose. And people would say, well, it's pro wrestling. Wins and losses don't matter that much. Well, they start to add up and actually chew away at the goodwill of that character if they continue to lose the big match. And in this case, Seth didn't get that kind of middle middle victory if the, there's a typical best of three which is about average for most programs. He didn't even get that victory in between. WWE decided to have him lose again and then probably going to lose on Sunday. I mean, I, I don't see a scenario in which Seth wins that. So that means Seth loses three in a row, another big loss on top of big loss on top of big loss on top of big loss. Seth can't buy a win at WrestleMania. So I, I just... 
I'm, I'm concerned about Seth long term because of how much damage WWE has done to us believing he can win the big one. That's not to say he's not over. That's not to say he hasn't found himself. That's not to say he's not excellent in the ring. He's already a, a future Hall of Famer. He's excellent on the microphone. There's really nothing wrong with Seth Rollins other than how he's booked. Seth is doing everything he can to overcome that but i am a, b- a bit concerned that wwe is putting all their stock right now in cody rhodes and you know go for at the i guess to sacrifice seth rollins yet with a yet another big loss so do you see any way in which seth rollins wins this i i, I mean you just said no but yeah. i don't yeah, know yeah i well you know no pun intended with with the the term loss but like this is a lose-lose situation because cody wins then you're drowning all the success. You're pushing it in front of us. Like, let it be. Like, Cody has the talent. He has a great entrance. You don't need to make it like a WrestleMania-like feel to it every single time he's appeared on TV, whether it's on Raw or a pay-per-view or just a promo. And then with Seth, that's like after that, I I feel like if he loses, you know, and and I'm predicting that he loses, the only way I see that is maybe he wants some time off because he is a workhorse and he is – you know, one of those guys that really did save the, the Thunderdome, even though his character was a little out there, you know, he was there all the time as well as like, you know, like Bailey and Sasha and stuff like that. So it's just, it's unfortunate because he really, you know, it seems like he's been loyal from day one with WWE where other guys kind of flake out as, you know, things aren't going their way. So I just, at some point he, he needs to be rewarded for it. I thought he was going to win money in the bank. And, and when he didn't, I knew he was going to screw over edge and, and that was the thing too. It's like at least he had like it was on SmackDown, but at least he he got a win over Edge. So you know that that third and final battle, you know, it was worth it. But this one, it's just I don't know. Just at least finally, uh, WWE is sticking. Like one, I don't like the Hell in the Cell pay per view because it that's you know going back to those days when I was watching as a kid, especially hearing is really the Undertaker saying you know we're going to be in a Hell in a Cell. That was a big deal. And now WWE, for the first time, I feel like we're, we, there's only one Hell in the Cell, so it makes it even that much better for for this matchup, as opposed to throwing in three or four different Hell in the Cell matches in Hell in the Cell pay per view. So, well, don't forget, we also have SmackDown. They could easily throw a Hell in the Cell match on SmackDown, like just, just yeah, pull, pull one in there, and and I really feel like they, they probably will, only because I, yeah. we have yet to have a Hell in a Cell pay-per-view that only has one Hell in a Cell match. I'm not against it. I think the less we see of Hell in a Cell, the better, and that's not because it's not a great matchup, but I think it's it has, over the years, been watered down by just sticking in into the, the pay-per-view schedule. It's just whatever feuds are going on, it's deserving of the Cell, which is the complete opposite of what that match should mean, is when a program is that big that they've had had several meetings before that nothing can contain them they need a final blow off that is what the cell is for a blood feud and now it's just well whatever happens to be going on you and you guys get the cell now seth and cody i think you know when you look at it i think it's out of all the programs going on i think that one is probably the most deserving is seth and cody so they got it right in terms of all the matches available right now but when you look at it the legacy of the cell and what it used to mean you used to get chills hearing about hell in a cell oh my god they're gonna have a hell in a cell match now it's like oh okay well what's going on who, who would make the most sense to be put in the cell it's completely backwards and they're trying to use a gimmick to sell the pay-per-view or the premium live event they're trying i mean i i'm not a big fan of it i've hated it uh when they when they did that and i think it's just a complete it's a complete uh, I, I think um, undermining of what Hell in a Cell means. So uh, that said, again, back to this segment, I, ha- I really had nothing 
bad to say about it. I mean, they even Seth made very subtle or not so subtle references to AEW talking to Cody yeah. Rhodes about, uh, you know, you destroyed the throne, meaning when if everybody remembers uh, Cody Rhodes and AEW created or had, um, I guess, the stage crew or whoever recreate Triple H's uh, uh, his like setup that he had at WrestleMania, like his throne, so to speak. And he took a sledgehammer and smashed it symbolically, I guess, detaching himself from WWE. Um, and Seth made reference to that on Raw. And there was something else he said about AEW, about going to play with your friends and then realizing you couldn't cut it to come back, talking about the Young Bucks. Uh, so I think that that was um, something that was interesting, re making reference to AEW without saying AEW. But um, certainly, th this was this is a program that, honestly, even if it went a fourth time, I wouldn't hate because they're so good together as far as chemistry and in-ring that if it went a fourth, which I don't think it will, I wouldn't be I wouldn't hate it. But beyond this, I, I honestly don't know where both of these men go after this program. Do you have any idea where both of them could go after presumably the Seth loses? Like you said, maybe he takes time off. I don't know. You're listening to the WWE podcast. We'll be right back after this short break. You got to check out the mentality show. If you could be a fly on the wall and could hear how men think and really want to hear what goes on in the minds of everyday men, then you should check out The Mentality Show every Wednesday at 6 p.m. on YouTube and Facebook Live. Real men, real talk. The Mentality Show. You can find them anywhere you stream podcasts and YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Just look up The Mentality Show. Welcome back to the WWE Podcast. Let's get back to more great wrestling audio. So, uh, I think they'll both end up winning a qualifying match for Money in the Bank, and they'll, they'll be the two people primarily that will be, you know, which, you know, I think uh, if you look at Money in the Bank, there's, I, I just feel like in my head I can see just both of them at the top of the the ladder. And I feel like that it's not necessarily like the final bow to this whole play that they're having. But I think if they're going forward, that's a good way for, you know, set the kind of creep back up and not just totally, you know, be out of the loop. Um, and I think that would be the nail in the coffin. Um, like essentially like, uh, like I think it'd be similar to like when, uh, like John, I don't know who John Cena like kind of hit in the head when he won Money in the Bank um, a couple years ago with the actual briefcase. It might have been like the Big Show or something. And he knocked him off and fell him off. I could see Cody finally like doing that to Seth. That's the only way I could see them sort of having like a quote unquote fourth match is if there's other people involved. Um, but yeah, that's that's my best bet is both of them being at Money in the Bank. I thought Seth was going to win it last year, but I personally thought they made a mistake giving it to Big E. Oh, but that's, huge. <laughs> yeah. Huge. I mean, I don't need to yeah. go on that rant again. You guys know yeah. I, I was very against that uh, for many, many reasons. But you're right. I mean, I, I did forget that Money in the Bank is the next pay-per-view. And Cody has been the promo guy for Money in the Bank with the video they ran over and over and over with Cody Rhodes telling everybody what winning Money in the Bank means, which apparently has now changed to um, you get the an opportunity, a main event 
uh, spot at WrestleMania for the championship. Like, if you go listen to the promo, they ran it many oh, yeah. times. I'm like, are, are they redefining what Money in the Bank means? I don't want them to like that would take away a lot of the a lot of the fun of what money in the bank is, which you could you could cash that in at any time, not yeah. main event of WrestleMania. We already have a match for that. That's called the Royal Rumble. So <laughs> I, I don't think that is a good idea. And hopefully it's something they were just using in promotional material, but it's not actually meant to be literal. Maybe I hope. I do not want this to mean you get a main event spot for WrestleMania in a championship match. So did you catch that promo as well? Did you yeah. see it? Oh yeah, it was it was repetitive and uh, you know to throw it back, maybe uh, Mr. Kennedy whispered in his ear because he's the only person to have money in the bank where he actually was going to say, "No, I'm cashing it in at WrestleMania." Like actually, obviously Seth did it too, but he didn't like make it known to the public. Um, and also, you know, you could start to think, you know, there's a like they talk about, you know, a women's main event, a men's main event for WrestleMania. There's two nights, so. Maybe they're going to have a Royal Rumble main event on day one or night one and then Money in the Bank night two. I mean, it's we've seen crazier things, so I could see it in that direction. But boy, would they be hamstringing themselves for not having a mystery main event like you'd have to know ahead of time, way ahead of time, who those two people are, who those really four people are. If it's a one on one match for both who the champion is and who the challenger is. And also, I think it would take a lot of the mystery out leading up to WrestleMania season of beyond who wins the Rumble. Who's the other championship match now? This yeah. year, we have a unified championship. Does Roman Reigns, if he's still champion, defend it as as WWE and Universal? Is it a single belt, even though there's two? Like, I don't know. They haven't made that clear at all because Roman has yet to actually defend it. So um, we'll have to see on that. I mean, the, the brand split's effectively dead anyway. But let's move on here. And um, I want to ask you about, let's see here. Uh, how about Ezekiel? Uh, I'm going to jump to to Ezekiel <laughs> a little bit um a little bit off. Uh, I'm not going in order here. Um, Ezekiel yeah, and the Mysterios uh, defeat Alpha Academy and Kevin Owens. Ezekiel pinned Chad Gable with a, a corkscrew suplex, and uh, that followed Stereo 619s. So, again, um, Kevin Owens seems to be absolutely obsessed with proving that Ezekiel is Elias, which is making it highly entertaining. I mean, Kevin Owens is making this entire thing. He has a match with Ezekiel at Hell in a Cell. So, uh, what do you make of this? Uh, well, did you like the match, and uh, what'd you make of it? Um, you know, for me, it it, it was an o- an okay match. Uh, like for me, like I, I'd really like to see. You know, I know we're talking about Elias Ezekiel, but they need to to split up the Mysterios. I I don't even you don't even need like a you know a heel turn or anything. They need Dominic, you know, at NXT get his roots going. Like I know he's behind the scenes learning stuff, but he. He's, he, he feels like he's like a 14-year-old kid and doesn't, you know, he's soft-spoken on the phone. And then with Ezekiel, um, I prefer, honestly, I thought, you know, I know he didn't wrestle a lot as Elias, but I liked him better as a wrestler as Elias. I don't know, he, he was more rugged and he just kind of brawled where Ezekiel, maybe it's part of the character, but it seems like he's been wrestling for maybe like three or four weeks. Like even his like moves are very, I don't know, not botched, but it's just... I know he's getting better, but he's just so out of character. And then, you know, with, with Kevin, uh, as much as I'd rather see him in the main event um, status, he is really saving the mid-card level because, I mean, when all is said and done, that guy needs to be on TV. And I don't mean like Hollywood, like The Rock and, you know, John Cena. He is hilarious. He could do stand-up for all we for all we know. But it's it, 
for for the Mysterios and everything like that, you, you, I just I'm I'm curious to see how Ezekiel will do on his own because he he's able to have quite a few matches, but in tag teams, so he's had to do a limited work. But I am curious to see how he does on his own and if if there is any type of revealing, like hey, like like we said, who knows? He might have her brother. Look at the Bella twins, you know, with with that whole tug of war underneath the ring. Not sure if you remember that where. I think it was Nikki that came out and premiered um, and no yeah. one had any idea that she was a, a twin. So, yeah. But yeah, well, I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I think if Ezekiel maybe spent some time in the ring with with his older brother and he was able to give him some <laughs> pointers, I think that that's why he seems so green. I mean, give the guy some credit. He just has to work with Elias a little bit longer. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, Kevin Owens is honestly the savior of this, like you said. And it's amazing, though, even though. This is something that we're complimenting Kevin Owens on of where he was just a month and a half ago, bringing Stone Cold Steve Austin out of retirement to working with Elias or Ezekiel. Like, it's unbelievable the fall that Kevin Owens has had. I mean, no fault of his own, and he's still doing entertaining work. But when you look at it, it's like Stone Cold Steve Austin in the main event of uh, WrestleMania Night 1 to Ezekiel. I mean, and and probably a pre-show match. Um, It's... (laughs) I mean, that's WWE yeah. for you, um, you know, so um, but beyond that, again, this match, I, I didn't have any problem with other than, like you said, the Mysterios are as interesting as, you know, my houseplant. Like, it's just they yeah. don't they honest. They have especially, especially uh, like you said, it's Dominic. Dominic is the one who um, he has a bright future. He's good in the ring. But outside of being good in the ring, he's got no personality at all. He is the wallpaper. He is not he, like he has no personality at all. He like you said, he. He looks like he just, you know, walked out of a middle school dance. He's got, you know, just no like manly look to him. He does look like a child. That doesn't help. And on the microphone, it's like he, he he's got the Ronda Rousey syndrome of kind of like just no confidence on the uh. mic. Just very, it's like speak up, dude. Like who are, I want to shake him and be like, who are you? Like I just want to yeah. grab him. Um, because I feel like he's just so timid and I know, I, I don't know what it is, but he needs some time to develop himself in a, in, in a, in NXT or the, the, um, the Capitol wrestling center or the performance center and just work on his promos, work on his character because in ring, I think he's fine. Um, I mean, he oh, can always yeah. be better, but in ring, isn't the problem. It's character, it's presence, the things that you can't teach that, uh, his dad has. And right now he does not have it. So um, outside of that, again, Ezekiel and Kevin Owens, I, I don't know what to really expect from their matchup because there's nothing on the line at all other than just uh, just pride, I guess. But, um, yeah, this this was okay. A- any uh, thoughts on this before we move on? Uh, no, I just I, – I think going forward with the Hell in a Cell match, I think it'll just be a – you know, it, it, one or two things. Like, one, like something will be revealed with, like, his, you know, quote-unquote twin brother or it's just going to be a squash match, like – like a Goldberg match three to five minutes because he doesn't have uh, a big variety of, of moves. He's very limited. Uh, Kevin Owens will take control of that match and kind of guide him through it. But other than that, I, I feel like that's going to be, like you said, pre-show or, or first, first match out of the way. Like there, there's no, like, it's great when you have like, you know, big matches to start off like the pay-per-view, but that is one where I don't want to see on like 
hour two, you know, after watching a great match, like get that one out of the way so we can just move on. <laughs> and, and plus the crowd has its the most energy towards the beginning of the, of the, uh, of the event. So you're not worried about no reaction <laughs> with these two, which could, I mean, not just Kevin Owens, but Ezekiel, if you're trying to gauge what the fans think of him, where he's at, the best time to do that is towards the beginning of the show, rather than when the fans are starting to get tired and think about leaving. And, um, you know, just, they're kind of out of zapped of energy. So yeah, I would definitely put the towards the beginning of the show as well. So, all right, let's move on. Uh, we got Alexa bliss also taking out Dewdrop. With Twisted Bliss, I didn't, I mean, I don't have much to say about this. I mean, and again, I, I didn't see this because I got called out by people the last time. I didn't see any any kind of interview or promo by Alexa Bliss after or before this match. Am I wrong? Did she did she speak at all? I don't think she did. No. Um, again, uh, after watching it, it, like the only real close promo she had was it was before she faced Nikki Ash um, or Nikki A-S-H. I don't know like how you pronounce that, but uh, last week and it was so weird. It, like, I feel like I understand, you know, Alexa Bliss has been gone for a while. She's got to get the rust off. But even her promo is like, is this like your first week of promo class? Like you there's you, you're not the goddess. You're not like the, the fiends like handman or whatever. Like, I don't know what you are. So the only thing I would say is like, I think bliss as talented as she is, she'll eventually have a story to tell. And I, like I said, I think she's just getting a, a few, you know, uh, quick matches out of the way, you know, as she had time off, um, you know, resting a few injuries and, you know, getting uh, recently married. So, but you know, with the patience with Alexa, we, I, I've been patient with her since, you know, Honestly, it was the biggest letdown at WrestleMania when she turned on The Fiend. I think that was very bad uh, writing uh, on WWE's part. So I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful. You know, uh, she's still fairly young. So, but we don't know if uh, you know she'll go down that motherhood and want to start a family. So if she does, you better get the best out of Alexa right now before she wants to, you know, put the cleats away. Or the shoes away. <laughs> True. Yeah, at least for a year, year and a half. I mean, it's not that if she has a baby like Becky Lynch or Ronda Rousey who've had kids that they don't come back. I mean, they do. But you're right. I mean, and in the Alexa Bliss story, I would love to sit down and, and put some truth serum in her and, and get the real story about what the hell exactly has been going on, right? Like, she gets a she gets associated with the fiend. The fiend touches her. People are really interested, super invested. Alexa's all in. And then after that, it's like since the fiend she was associated with the fiend years ago. It's I I can count on one hand how many matches she's had. It's unbelievable that that they they dove into character development, but they didn't have her in the ring at all. And we were saying what. Can we just get her wrestling? I mean, she doesn't have to be sitting on a, a makeshift playground. She doesn't need to be in therapy sessions. She doesn't need to be talking no. to Lily, which, for whatever reason, Lily's still out there. That's why I want an explanation. Like, the, She's kind of like a... I, I got one. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Sorry to interrupt. Uh, the only reason she's got those that doll is because the WWE warehouse still has half a million in storage. So it's it's. For, <laughs> I think it's only for advertisement to, to sell it because she's not... She puts it on that top rope, and she doesn't talk about it, anything. She just carries it, and I think it's just to get a few more merchandise sales. I wonder if uh, one of the features of the doll is that it winks. If it doesn't, I'm not going to buy it. I mean, like, so, yeah. uh, <laughs> I, I, you know, that, that could be it. 
I really don't. Yeah. If if they really made that many dolls, I think they were severely misled about the interest in Lily. I mean, there was so much pushback. Once Lily got involved, is when actually things kind of went downhill for her with the Shayna Baszler yeah. segment that ended Raw. That was she went through backstage and suddenly everyone's gone and Shayna Baszler's acting like she's in a horror movie. It was bad. I mean that that yeah. was really bad. As great as the Fiend was, Bray Wyatt, he was involved in some terrible booking i mean seth rollins with the hell in a cell that you alluded to the last time he was champion which is Ugh. unbelievable uh the, that whole hell in a cell debacle where people booed the match and then of course you get the wrestlemania match with randy orton and alexa turning on him that no one ever explained how or why or even why that was a turn i remember watching that i'm like is this really even a turn it's not clear um and then you know the the matchup there was super disappointing even though the build between randy and bray was really really good uh but anyway um you know i I do think that this matchup, I, I don't have much to say about it. It was about two or three minutes long. And Alexa Bliss beat Dewdrop, which just to me, all this match tells me is the pecking order of where they're placing the women. Alexa Bliss getting the clean victory over Dewdrop tells me, okay, they view Alexa Bliss higher than Dewdrop, which isn't saying a ton. But Dewdrop was just facing Bianca Belair a couple of months ago uh, and putting her, yeah. you know, her in jeopardy. So it's kind of like we'll have to see if Alexa Bliss continues to get victories or if this is one of those 50-50 deals. Yeah, and I, you know, I didn't have a problem with, um, you know, Dewdrop losing that. I just had a problem with th their direction where, like, I think it was three Raws ago where she, you know, looks at Nikki, you know, backstage. She's like, are you ready to, like, be serious now? Or, you know, I don't know what she actually said, but it just seemed, all right, she's going to lose this whole superhero gimmick, like, because she needs to. It was just awful. Worst money in the bank cash in. Like, she should not have had that. But, uh yeah, like I was just more disappointed that there is like nothing like not that like I don't really see Dewdrop, you know, as a future 10 year with WWE, but it's like if you're going to put her with uh, Nikki, like especially with her new gear and with Dewdrop's new gear, it was like I felt like this was just another version of, uh, you know, the goth uh, Rhea Ripley and you have the superhero like polar opposites. It's just they're just throwing women together and it's just they're going backwards. They were doing so well with you know after that evolution stuff you know and having that you know triple threat main event it's just i don't know what they're doing they're they're going backwards with the respect that they're not giving to the the female wrestlers yeah it's it's so up and down and honestly i don't i think it's not like it's not like there's a to me even star power missing like charlotte's taking time off she's getting married it seems like every one of the it, there's people are getting married left and right i feel like and for whatever reason right now people have got marriage fever in wwe um and it's not even that there's star power missing like ronda rousey's not ronda rousey's champion but yet it's the weirdest thing that i don't i get the sense that not just because i don't care about ronda rousey on a personal or professional level but i'm getting the sense that fans are just kind of ho-hum about ronda rousey now i know she's not we're not this isn't monday Night raw of course it's smackdown yeah. but you know but just quickly how do you feel about ronda rousey like because we're talking about the women's division in general i am not sensing the same excitement or enthusiasm as as the first time around with ronda rousey this kind of feels like a on a, a, a um kind of an, a, a a reheated version of ronda rousey where it's kind of lukewarm interest sometimes you hear some booze but she's generally received positively how, how do you think about or what do you think about rather ronda rousey in the women's division do you even think she's needed no i mean i i think wwe panicked uh like like when they did that with john cena brock lesnar that type of stuff but um 
I, I don't know. I with Ronda, uh, I'm not gonna lie. Like during the Royal Rumble, like I what like as soon as I heard her music, I was kind of pumped. Just initial reaction, just because I haven't seen her forever. But it was like she wasn't needed. It was a terrible main event. She should have she should have had her main event with Becky Lynch. At least Becky could have like had more. Uh, I don't know pizzazz. I guess in those promos, Char- Charlotte is just. Oh, I I can't stand her. She she's one where and, I, and it, it totally made sense. She's probably like, you know what, you can have the belt, but I still want my WrestleMania moment and all that. But with Ronda, her first run, she was amazing because she was a fan. She was super excited. You watch those documentaries where you know she had that eye to eye with The Rock, and she was like, I had to hold in my my smile. I was so excited, and that she was riding high. She was on that honeymoon phase. She comes back. She's like. Oh yeah, I have to do a little bit more work, you know. Just my name alone isn't going to make everyone excited. I have to do moves again, and especially being a mother now, I, I think her priorities have drastically changed. And I don't. Again, maybe. Again, we've we've seen crazier things, but I, maybe in backstage, like you know, Rhonda, we need you to be like average Joe, like just plain monotone. We don't want any because she she's better as a heel. She needs to turn heel and. I just, I don't know. I, I think she needs to lose it. And again, you know, with going off topic a little bit, you know, with the women's division, like, you know, Sasha, you know, I heard that she was in line to win Royal Rumble, which I think she should have, you know, regardless of, you know, how she, she left and everything like that. I just, it, I, Rhonda didn't need to win Royal Rumble. Brock Lesnar didn't need to win the Royal Rumble. Those are opportunities for people that, Sort of like Money in the Bank, up and coming. They've never won a title. It gets them in that new main event level. But you give it to Ronda, she doesn't need it. <laughs> you know where I think people like Brock and, and Ronda should be? It's I don't think that it's fair to say that they don't have a place in pro wrestling. I think they do. And I think it does bring eyeballs to the product. That does generate interest. It creates social media buzz. But I think the best position for them would be in a non-title uh, just kind of just blood match in, in terms of just a, a few that you get in, in, into with someone that you find a personal issue to work out. And that's it. I think the best thing for people that come in for part-time programs should not be challenging for championships because if they, most of the time when they come back, especially if like the rock comes back or John Cena comes back, you know, they're not going to win the championship. So right off the bat, that kind of tips the scale to, yeah, they aren't going to win. So you immediately know they're going to lose the match. But also um, if they do win the championships like Brock did and like Ronda did, you kind of are resentful of it. Even if their position is baby faces, because you're looking at it and siding with the rest of the roster. That's like, Hey, they've been here the entire like year. You waltz in, win one match. And all of a sudden you're the main event of WrestleMania. Like that fans are starting to tune into that. And the fact that Ronda Rousey is not confident on the microphone. Sure, she's good. She's good in the ring. She is a she is a legitimate athlete. I have nothing to take away from her there. But I don't think the women's division needs her at all right now. And uh, so, all right, well, let, let's get back to the, the Monday Night Raw review here. Yeah. And 24 um, seven championship. <laughs> uh, oh, I, I actually didn't see this and it's probably for the best. So uh, maybe you could, uh, you know, give a oh, more detailed analysis sure. on Tamina defeating Dana Brooke to win the title. So Tamina is the 24 seven champion. No, nobody's Mina than Tamina. What did you think about this? And then wait a minute. Well, and then Akira Tozawa defeats yeah. t- Tamina. I'm just reading that. Cause I missed it. So Akira Tozawa <laughs> apparently uh, pinned Tamina and he is now champion. Yeah. I was just about to step in on that part. Cause 
uh, they, uh, I think they, they, I don't know who initiated, but they kissed in the ring and then he, he did the roll up and got it. But for me, uh, you know, like I said, like, uh, whether it was the voicemail or the email, like, uh, the 24 seven, like all those wrestlers, you know, when I was talking about like guest refereeing, I I definitely agree with you. Like not every week, but just here and there, give them a different purpose. Cause uh, honestly, I, I know as a, you know, like a wrestler, they want to, they want to be out there and competing, but if I was one of those guys, I'd rather, you know, be a referee than, you know, look, look silly, just running around the ring with three or four other wrestlers. Uh, to me, that just, uh, I think that's just extremely disrespectful. And, you know, that whole thing was just, it, it just ruined it because even though Ms. TV, you know, has been kind of dragging on for these last couple of years, you know, it was kind of cool to see like Montez and, and uh, uh, I can't think of the other guy's name, but his, his partner. Dawkins. Yeah. And, you know, they pull a line uh, from The Rock. I don't know. That that was kind of random. They they asked him a question and they said, like, oh, it doesn't matter. So and so. But um, it just was all chaotic. You know, they have Ms. TV. They have those guys interviewing. Then all of a sudden they have a chasing the 24-7 title. And then there's like a random match, like in the middle of the ring while Montez and his partner are dawkins is just sitting on those chairs i'm just like what is going on right now this this seems like it would be something that you guys like practice before the show it's just i don't know i don't think people are getting their money's worth for for sure for the 24 7 but i uh oh sorry and then yep. the other thing I, I just wanted to say is um you know with a 24 7 just for a while when it wasn't on tv um just i think 24 7 the title all that stuff just keep it on you know, Twitter, you know, Peacock, YouTube, uh, TikTok, all that stuff. Don't put it on cable. I'm fine with that. So I think that's a that's a um, a good analysis, a good suggestion for the 24 seven title where it doesn't belong on the mainstream television. Like if it, it's kind of like it's got its little uh, niche audience where people that are interested in the 24 seven title can go follow it on social media. I mean, there's millions of people that follow WWE there. You know, people could find it if they want to. Uh, I think that a lot of times they include it just to fill time because they have three freaking hours to fill. So um, I, again, I, I know that it's a bathroom break for a lot of people, but I also know some people for some reason still find the 24 seven championship entertaining at the beginning of it. I said, yeah, it's, it, it's fun. It's going to be hilarious for a couple of months, but it's going to be like that fruit stripe gum you bought in, you know, 1996, where it lasts <laughs> like, you know, five seconds. And you're like, oh, oh, it's gone. Like Juicy Fruit or any of those gums that we all knew. If, anyway, I'm referring to things. If you're not yeah. a 90s kid, you have no clue what I'm talking about. But uh, it's it's kind of like that. It's like it's really it's, it's a lot of fun for a short period of time. And then it needs to just die its own death. Like it's just the cycle of a circle of life with this championship, but it has hung on and hung on and hung on. And it's like a corpse of a championship. And uh, I mean, it, it's, they shouldn't even call it a championship because if you're telling me that a championship is everyone in the world is eligible for this championship, well, then there's exactly zero prestige to it. And so anyway, I know it's supposed to be I'm digging too deep, but it's supposed to be just kind of a fun little segment. That's a bathroom break for some people. But all right, uh, let's move on here. Uh, uh, we got a much more serious matchup next. Mustafa Ali defeated Champa. This via disqualification, there was interference by theory. Uh, there's, there was a stipulation that if Ali won, he would get a future shot at Theory's United States Championship. And after the match, Theory then continued to attack 
uh, Champa or rather uh, Ali and said that the match would happen immediately. So then, of course, we got a champion United States championship match where we got Theory retaining after Ali did show a little bit of fire and hit that uh, tornado DDT, which, by the way, Theory sold hilariously good. I mean, he bounced all over the ring. And uh, so there was that hope spot, but ultimately Theory hit the uh, the ATL, the, the A-Town, uh, which I still don't understand exactly what that means. I don't know what A-Town means, but he hit his finish. And the- uh, Ali did lose, and then Adam Pierce comes out and says, "Well, wait a minute, uh, you know, uh, Vince McMahon says I want to see a fair fight, so they're going to face each other at Hell in a Cell." So uh, I'll let you take the lead on this. What did you think about this whole segment? Um, you know, for first of all, Mustafa Ali, you know, pick a side, dude. If you're going to be a heel, be a heel, be a face. Like you're going back and forth. You're you're getting close to uh, Big Show as far as how many times he's switched from a heel to a face. Um, and, you know, I know they, in the commentary, they, they said, you know, if he wins this match, he'll get a champion, you know, championship match. But if you look at it, it's a championship contenders match. So to me, that means I feel like if, if whoever wins that, you know, gets a match. So in my eyes, I'm like, well, if Champa wins, he should get a U.S. title match. So after that whole match, regardless if that wasn't the case, you know, Champa, you know, didn't get the wind and got screwed out of it. Uh, you know, obviously the the most simple thing to do is have Champa come back and, you know, beat the crap out of uh, Theory, but, you know, they're not going to do that. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, with, with Theory, I just, I just don't, I don't know what, you know, maybe, maybe it's the, the Ing Rin, uh, sorry, the Ing Ring skills that Theory has, but his character and everything is, is garbage. The whole selfie thing. It's just like, what are you 16 and you just got your first phone like enough of this mm-hmm. and you know putting like just putting down like like solo wrestlers like finn balor like i mean that that just to me and and also his his finisher which is is pretty you know pretty unique but you know if he's going to be you know quote unquote a main eventer good luck trying to do that on a 280 300 plus pound guy like i think the only guy that could do those things was like john cena but i don't see you know, theory doing his a town on a, a big dude. So I think he's, he's limited, but the match itself, I mean, that was definitely one where I'm like, all right, some do uh, go to the bathroom or get some food or see what's on Twitter because I mean, he wasn't going to win that. And again, I, I feel like this, this is probably just a filler match. I be the only reason I would love for theory to lose it, but what is Mustafa Ali going to do with it? I mean, he, he, as well as a lot of other, he's very vanilla on the mic. So I, I don't know. It's, I think it's going to be a boring match for sure. at Hell in a Cell. And it, it was predictable. So on raw. Yeah. I actually was a bit perplexed about how everyone was okay with the match just happening out of nowhere. Like, I mean, the referee did ask, uh, Ali, if he did, if he wanted to continue, but yet all the time we hear that Adam Pierce is the one that makes the matches around here. It has to be official. Well, how the hell did it become official? And don't tell me Vince McMahon allowed it because we got no confirmation that Vince McMahon said the match was okay. I know it's a little thing, but we're constantly told that the wrestlers don't make the matches around here. Adam Pierce does, right? Which again is is kind of only it only applies when they need it to, but. Uh, the match, I actually, you know, I'm looking forward to the match from the perspective of pure wrestling because I think both are very good in the ring. I mean, uh, I, I, I understand about Theory's gimmick. I get it. He is a bit of a 
kind of like a, a D bag frat boy gimmick where he's just, uh, you know, or maybe like high school ish where he's just super immature. By the way, Theory has got one of the scariest smiles of all time. I mean, if you want, look at his, <laughs> like the way, and he's a good looking dude, but like when he yeah. smiles really big, it's scary. Like, his the I don't know his teeth and his mouth are huge and I I don't know what it is he's maybe he, it's supposed to be that way but like the, especially the picture he did when he first won the United States Championship and he's with Vince McMahon on stage and they took a selfie it, it it's a scary scary picture with uh, with Theory um anyway I think that this matchup at the Hell in a Cell is going to be just fine from a wrestling perspective I could also see this being a a pre show match if they wanted it to be even though it's the United States Championship. So, again, this was fine for me. I, I guess I'm a little bit higher on this matchup being from a wrestling perspective. Uh, probably going to be just fine, if not good. It'll probably be good, okay to good, at, at uh, Hell in a Cell for the United States Championship, of which, of course, Theory has almost no chance of dropping it because, like you said, he he's Vince McMahon's protege. Vince McMahon is literally putting a lot of time into this guy, and he handpicked him. He's not going to lose clean to Ali, who was, by the way, the leader of Retribution. And before <laughs> that, he was a guy like walking on the streets curing people from drugs, if anybody remember those promos. Uh, so he's been bouncing around from heel to face for a while now. And so, yeah, uh, I have no problem with the matchup itself. Just the story is a little, uh, is a little off the rails. Yeah. Does, uh, you know, I, I fully agree with that. They, they both are very skilled wrestlers, but you know, sometimes even when you have two great wrestlers, there's like somehow still not going to have a good match. Like, I don't know if it's the chemistry or just the booking, but I, I do hope that, you know, even if it's a predictable match, we still get some, some good moves, especially from Ali, you know, during that, that short championship match that he had with him. I was really hoping, even if he didn't land the move, I was hoping to see his, I, I don't know. I forgot what his special is, but he, I think he does like a six fifty splash or something like that. But it's, it just reminds me of like ricochet with his moves, but yeah, I, I I don't I don't know. I mean, with the only thing I say is, do not I just do not want to see Theory in that Money in the Bank ladder match. That scares me because I, I I think we've all said this before with situations when we're like, if this person wins, I'm done watching. <laughs> and I say that to myself, and then a week later, I'm like, all right, I'm back watching it. But yeah, yeah, well, well, we'll see. <laughs> Yeah, and it's funny you mentioned that there are two really two very good sound fundamentally wrestlers that are athletic as hell that you know sometimes you you take two guys like that and you think automatically they're going to have a great chemistry and they don't. I can give you an example of two guys back in the uh, late 90s early 2000s mega stars one of the biggest two biggest names of all time that I don't think had good chemistry at all and that's Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Undertaker. I don't think their styles meshed well at all. Uh, I don't think they had terrible matches, but I I remember their match just the way that they both wrestled was with, with uh, they're, you know, Austin being a brawler, but Undertaker being the more slow, methodical type of uh, type of uh, you know wrestler. I don't think they gelled well, which is really crazy to say how good both of those are and the legendary careers both of them had. Uh, so th there's one example. Just because you're on paper great, a great wrestler doesn't mean that it's going to translate uh, with uh, you know another great wrestler in the ring. So, uh, all right, well let's uh, move on here. Riddle and Shinsuke, who. Uh, defeated the Usos via another disqualification. It was kind of a night of disqualifications here. Jimmy used uh, Jimmy used Riddle's scooter to hit Riddle, 
And the match was also a championship contenders match, which, by the way, has anyone defined exactly what that is outside of just a normal match? Like, for example, if this wasn't a champ labeled as a championship contenders match, yet Riddle and Shinsuke still won the match. Couldn't you still stake the claim that we beat the uh, the champions and therefore we should get an opportunity at the championship? I they're just trying to I guess make the just create the perception that it's a bigger match than it actually is. When in reality, it's implied that okay, if you beat the champions, you're probably in the conversation for a championship uh, opportunity. But that's neither here nor there. So uh, last thing on this, and I'll toss it to you. The um, Let's see. Riddle hit Jay with a top rope RKO after the match, and uh, that was pretty much it. And the crowd loved that part of it. So, what'd you think about this? Uh, as I've said before, you know, Riddle is is really uh, he's really coming along. You know, when he first came in, it was just like, you know, all right, like you know, put down the grass for just like five minutes, dude. Like whether that's your personality or not, like I couldn't take him serious. But when he's in the ring, he is. It's like his his MMA style fighting. Like he is just so intense in, in the moment. Um, I I hope that again, you know, like I I think I said in the mailbag, like I think it, it, just get rid of the scooter. Like you don't need to totally be a serious dude, but you know when he came back on, on Monday Night Raw and just kind of walked down, I even like that. Um, his, his wrestling style is amazing, and I do love the, the flashes of you know. Randy Orton's moves, but also like you are your own person. You're very talented. So go back to your high flying moves, go back to your, your actual finisher. But, um, you know, with riddle, I just, I'm assuming right now that he is just doing this tag team with, with Shinsuke, just to sort of do like revenge. Cause Shinsuke, I mean, we were all like, all right, he gets double super kicked, doesn't get any revenge. Riddle needs revenge. So maybe they're just kind of doing this for a couple of weeks, but I hope after that, you know, like you said in the, in other podcasts, you know, he'll get sort of a singles push and that I'm really hoping that dream match where it's like a, a fatal four way with him and Orton and McIntyre and Roman Reigns. That would be amazing. <laughs> yeah, it could be. I mean, it's just my my guess, although I've had other people say, well, no, they've already lined up Roman Reigns as three next opponents, which are Riddle and uh and Orton and Drew McIntyre, but not in a single, not in a fatal four-way match, but just singles matches over the next several months, eventually leading to The Rock at WrestleMania next year in Hollywood, which I've said before, if they don't pull the trigger on that this year, it ain't going to happen because of everything else going on. So to me, this is like now or never. Like, you got to do Rock Roman this year, or it's not something that's going to happen, I don't think. Uh, So, but this matchup here, again, um, yeah, I mean, I didn't have any issue with all four of these men. All four of these men are excellent in the ring. Riddle, like you said, it had the whole kind of uh, just like, yeah, like I'm smoking too much reefer, but I'm here trying to be cool. I hated his character. They caught lightning in a bottle with Randy, and it has worked immensely well. They're selling tons of uh, tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of T-shirts, merchandise, RK Pro 420 T-shirts. I mean, they they, I mean, and you know what? If I was WWE, I'm in. First of all, I'm a for profit organization, first and foremost, and people demonize that. But they're in the business of making money. And I'm going to do what is best 
for the company to make money. And if right now Riddle and Orton staying together would benefit me from on the bottom line, I'm going to keep them together, even if sometimes it doesn't make sense storyline wise. So, you know, I think oftentimes I and others forget that, that, okay, it's not all about story. They have to worry about the bottom line. But uh, that said, this matchup was fine. And uh, I think that they are in line to get a title shot. Do I think they're going to win that title shot? Absolutely not. I mean, the Usos, I think, are going to remain uh, the undisputed or the unified tag team champions for quite some time. So uh, uh, anything else before we move on? Yeah, I I just think, you know, like when you're going back to like some of the the part-timers or just those matches that are so good or it's such a good story that you, you don't actually need a title and I would have preferred some form of revenge from Riddle or Shinsuke. In a, I, I don't know how they would do it, but you don't need to have a championship match. You don't need to do this type of storyline or this next chapter with the Usos. Just screw them out of the titles from somebody else or just, I don't know, hit you know Roman with a chair during the match. I don't know, something simple like that. I don't think they need to do a, a tag team title match for this. And the, the, the contenders matches, it's like, just go back to... Um, the number one contenders matches with two separate guys, because clearly if you beat the champion and you face them at the next pay-per-view, you're not going to win. Like we all, we all know that. And like kind of just backtracking because I I had this thought and I didn't want to forget it, but you know, some of the best wrestlers I've seen in the past. And I didn't realize until recently um, are the ones that don't have a title involved or don't have one on them. And a perfect example is Shawn Michaels. When he resurrected his career in 02, yeah, he had a short title run, and I never understood why Like he never won another title, especially against John Cena. But some of his best storylines in his matches had nothing to do with titles. So I just wanted to kind of put that out there before I threw that out of my brain. Yeah, no, it's it's a good one to it's a good example to bring up, and it's something that I don't think people realize about Shawn Michaels on his return in two thousand two, you know, facing Triple H at SummerSlam. I I think that you know you look at Shawn Michaels and he's regarded as one of the best of all time with good reason, and yet at the same time, especially in his second run, he was barely around the championship in ter- in terms of winning it outside of the one Elimination Chamber match that he won it. Uh, and then I think dropped it a month later. Uh, there, there's really not much he did with the championship. So yeah, that's a it's a good analogy. Uh, but continuing here on uh, Monday Night Raw, Liv Morgan takes on Rhea Ripley. Liv Morgan beat Rhea Ripley via pinfall after a roll up, which was after a backstabber. AJ was at ringside to help her fight off interference from Damian Priest. Finn Balor also helped. There was no edge. Uh, so that was interesting to note. There was no promo by the uh, the Judgment Day, which I was a bit disappointed about. To me, uh, beyond uh, what happened in this matchup, which I think was interesting that they had Rhea take a loss here, is what they put on the screen. And I actually made a TikTok video out of this. I uh, put it on my Twitter because it, to me, is absolutely embarrassing. Liv Morgan, when she came out, they put on her graphic. You know how sometimes they put accomplishments like 16-time women's champion or, you know, Royal Rumble winner or this or that. What they put on Liv Morgan's graphic when she came oh. out this out this week, which, by the way, she's been with WWE for eight years, fan of video games and scary movies, and oh she God. grew up as a huge WWE fan. I, I'm thinking to myself, okay, even, even if this is her first day, you don't do that. Hell, 
put in her uh, she she can run a mile in i don't know seven minutes and 20 seconds put in like anything this stuff she puts in here describes like a, you know a, a 58 year old dude living at uh, his mom's house in her basement like I'm a huge WWE fan, and I like video games and scary movies. That qualifies like 98% of the audience watching that they could also be a WWE superstar. Uh, it was unbelievable. I mean, it was – I I don't I, – I was so just put off by that. Like, that's unbelievable. Uh, but – so anyway, did you catch that, what they put on her graphic? I, I'm so glad that you mentioned that because, like, it's things like that where I'm like, I don't I – don't, maybe the general fan doesn't see that, but I was just like – like what like first thing i thought of was that those are great facts that you want to put on like a worksheet that your like five-year-old son brings home from preschool or like grade school and then i also also thought of like i think it was just kind of making fun of him but like when uh matt hardy version like 1.0 or whatever he was called back in the day he had those like random facts where he's like oh i don't like mustard on my hot dog or something like that i was just like this is embarrassing and it was just it was awful it's just i don't know it's just disrespectful towards live and it's just like you know if you don't actually have like legit accomplishments or whatever just don't even put it up there you don't need to you don't need to put something up there every time but they, they, they yeah, could put anything is, yeah. they, they could put like the number of victories she has even though okay even you analyze it oh well that doesn't mean a whole lot how many losses does she have but at least they put something in there that makes her look like a credible superstar we're supposed to believe that everyone coming in these doors are the most the, the most well-rounded you know cream of the crop top athletes that wwe could bring in and yet all of a sudden they're now talking about how she likes video games and scary movies well so you know so does my four-year-old son like he, he likes yeah. scary things like halloween he likes to play video games he like he's a, he, i'm trying to get him to be a wwe fan are you telling me he has the same credentials and resume as Liv morgan i mean there's there's no excuse for this. Okay, Liv Morgan hasn't been a women's cha- women's champion. You can pull out a stat and make the stats work for you. You you can pull out a number, like I said, her number of wins, how many minutes she's been in a Royal Rumble match in total. Like you can make the numbers work for you to at least attempt to make it look credible. I know it was only on the screen for you know probably ten seconds or less, but I'm like, you who put this together? I mean, it's, that, it's that, so <laughs> that that's that's what you put up for like. If for some reason you could do that with a jobber, that's what you put up there for a jobber that no one knows. But for Liv, especially with social media and how many fans, you know, either follow them on Instagram, Twitter, whatever, we already know all that stuff. But regardless, that's just general. Like, I feel like everyone loves video games. Everyone is a super fan of WWE. Like, if you're not a, if you're a wrestler at, for WWE and you're not a fan of WWE, what are you doing there? It's kind of common sense. And it just, Again, like we could go talk about this for hours of how disrespectful it is, but you know we're running out of time. So no, yeah. no, I, I hear you. I hear you. It just—it's yeah. one of those things that I actually was put off the rest of the match. And 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 while what happened in the match is important, I think that that to me was just like you got to—you've got to be kidding me. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. I, if anybody doesn't believe me, they think I'm making it up. I know you don't, but if anybody does, I, I put it out there. I screenshotted it. It's on my Twitter. It's it's everywhere. But anyway, all right, let's move on here. Uh, and before we get to the main event, which was kind of a weird main event, uh, there's one other thing that happened. Bianca Belair defeating Asuka with a reverse into a pin. The match started after the show. The the, the two women brawled. Uh, Belair came out and was able to reverse an Asuka pin into one of her own. Lynch then uh, struck the second after the match ended and put both women 
in uh, on the mat. I think she hit the um, the manhandle slam, i.e. the rock bottom on Bianca Belair. So what did you make of all this? Did you enjoy the Bianca Belair Oscar match? Um, I mean, for a like a wrestling standpoint, of course, because Bianca, like me and you have both agreed, can't wait for her to turn heel. Um, and but like for both of them, they do amazing work. But I think it's completely unnecessary to you're you're kind of taking away some of the pay per view. You know, like obviously, obviously, you want to see them kind of you know brawl here and there, but to actually have a legitimate match right before it, like even though it's a triple threat, you're kind of giving away some of you know the moves and the sets that they're going to probably do in hell in a cell um and for me like uh i don't know if you agree with this but uh wwe is making it way too obvious uh with the you know the last show before the pay-per-view because whoever is standing tall at the end of the show before the pay-per-view i feel like 90 percent of the time they lose that match you know in that next pay-per-view so i'm just like all right bianca really hasn't made much noise in the last like three or four weeks so that just tells me that she's probably going to retain and build up her her strength as like oh she overcame two future hall of famers um but yeah i i I mean even even after i was very surprised that they had her actually beat her sort of clean i thought it was just going to end in a dq because the way how becky did everything at the end she could have just done that by causing a disqualification protecting you know, um, Oscar from, from losing, but I, 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 in general, I, I thought it was, it was a, it was a good match, but I, I think they give away too much sometimes before an, an actual pay-per-view. Yeah. Yeah. There's an argument to be made for that. And I mean, if you listen to the crowd too, with Bianca Belair, she got, I think one of the most lukewarm kind of almost negative re- I mean, it wasn't a overwhelmingly positive reaction for Bianca Belair, and I think a lot of it has to do that she's been, even since winning the championship, been really put into the background of WWE, especially in the women's division. And uh, I'm not forgotten about, but boy, has she taken a back seat, even though she's the women's, the Raw Women's Champion. And you know what? Her gimmick, as I've said many times, is a hair away from being a heel. You can't call yourself the EST of everything and somehow maintain a babyface status forever. I think when she turns heel, it's going to be a lot of fun. But, um, yeah, I mean, look, I think that this matchup was fine. I think it did what it needed to do, which was just continue the momentum and anticipation for the Hell in a Cell event, which is the triple threat. And interesting, last note on this, and we'll move to the main event, is that at the beginning here when Becky was talking about how the odds have been stacked against me my whole life and, you know, that the odds are stacked against me in this match, I'm like, well, wait a minute. You're playing with house money. What do you mean the odds are stacked against you? Everybody here has a one in three chance of winning. It's not specific to you. I mean, she's talking about how, you know, uh, she, she the odds are stacked against her. I'm like, well, not really. Again, you you have nothing to lose here. Like, You're not the champion. If anything, Bianca could make that argument um, that she has the, uh, the, the disadvantage here. As WWE always has to point out, no matter how many <laughs> times, like thousands of times, thousands we've seen a triple threat we always have to have somebody say that they don't need to be involved in the decision to lose the belt it's like they somehow think that we're gonna forget this uh and, and i don't know so bianca said it i think it was bianca who said it this past monday she's like you know i don't even need to be involved in the in the decision to lose my championship it's like okay. i mean i i don't even have to say about that anymore it's the most overstated uh, sentence in all of pro wrestling but uh, all right. Did you have any final thoughts before we move to the main event here, which is the contract signing? Um, 
I just think when they repeat a lot of that stuff, maybe maybe it's just the audience. You know, they they're striving for younger audience, but it's like even in like an eight year old or a five year old obviously knows at a certain point like they're a lot smarter than you know years back so i think a lot of times when they repeat that stuff it, it's for i think you know a new audience that has no idea but it's just it, it's just such common sense and uh not to backtrack because i was gonna forget um but in that that match um with live and ria not sure if you noticed it but it was a botch finish uh the uh referee uh, when she went for the third one for, for for the three count, she actually tucked her arm as if she was going to kick out, and then they just you know ring the bell and AJ celebrated with her. But no, no one, I don't know if you yeah, I missed if it. you go back on because I I had to I had to go back and I was like I didn't hear like that third you know clap, and then I you show the replay and you you see her like they kind of cut the ref out like halfway, but you see her go down, but she kind of. She kind of does that tuck where she avoids hitting the mat, but I don't know. It's just it's just sloppy. But hmm. anyway, yeah, we can. Yeah, if you ever get a chance to look at it, it's it's pretty noticeable. All right, yeah, no, I want to take a look at that because I usually catch that stuff. I must have turned away or whatever. So yeah, all right, interesting. Well, um, let's move on to the main event here, which was a kind of a weird main event of Bobby Lashley signing his contract for the handicap match against Omas and MVP at Hell in a Cell. And as most contract signings end, I think I'd love to know the percentage of contract signings that end with somebody through a table. Uh, it ended with Omas and Lashley of brawling security got tossed, uh, i.e. the local wrestling talent got tossed over the top rope. Cedric Alexander attacked Lashley from behind. I actually didn't see that coming. And then that allowed MVP and Omas to attack Lashley before Lashley was about to get set up to be put through a table. He turned the tide and was able to spear Omas through the table as uh, MVP looked on and uh, looked very concerned. So what did you think about this final uh, this final build for the Omas and MVP at home? <laughs> Uh, I think for me, I think the only good thing that came out of it was they ran out of time. Um, <laughs> personally, like, I, I mean, I, I know a lot of people don't like Bobby Lashley as a face. And the only reason I sort of like him as a face is because I'm throwing it back to when he, uh, you know, debuted in like 05, 06. Obviously he, he talked way less, you know, back then, but he was awesome. You know, like having that match against Umaga, you know, the billionaire versus the billionaire and, ECW champion he, he had a bright future and it just didn't go his way so I just I don't know I wouldn't I wouldn't mind if he took the belt off of Rowan too even though he's you know as I said in the voicemail or the email that you know he's a veteran but I wouldn't mind him even taking off because I think he could he could destroy him but uh but yeah I I, I was just I, I think the contract signings are are way like way like you know too repetitive and it just reminds me of AEW with all their like they turn turn the lights out for whoever comes out for you know a debut and it's just it's just getting old like these contract signings make it more interesting like again I know it's it's on cable but I would love to see more of a UFC contract signing where they just tell it how it is I know they're in character but at least with UFC they can just talk crap all they want and just get so intense so. Yeah, no, I, I I'm with you. I mean, 
it is a tried and true formula, and there's been a lot of entertaining moments over the years with contract signings. But I just I do think that it is something that does need to go away for quite a while, and it also makes you wonder. Well, what if you know? They announced the match, but they didn't sign the contract. Is it not official? And and what about every other match that happens impromptu? Do they have to sign a contract, or is it just like do they sign the contract afterwards? Like I mean, these logistics of contract signings that need to happen shouldn't the the contract sign? Like, why do they even need to sign a contract? They already are under contract with WWE, and they have to do what WWE says in theory, and they have to be they yeah. have to be in like why do they have to sign an additional contract for something that they already are contracted to do under WWE's like terms and conditions it's it's kind of bizarre when you think about it i understand it's pro wrestling and it's presentation and i i don't hate all contract signings but it is something that has been overused too much over the years um you know it's it's like going to work and having my boss say to me you know uh, how do you feel about doing this special project and you know you know you're gonna have to do it because that's your job but there you know you have to have a contract signing to do that special job it's like well no that's just covered it, it's covered under my general umbrella of this is my tasks and duties under this position uh but anyway I, I didn't hate this segment i really didn't i thought it was okay it was a strange positioning as you and i talked about of being the main event of wrestlemania when you and you you mentioned that cody and seth brawling would have been a much more exciting way to end the show and i agree uh but having these two end it with a spear through a table i mean it's aesthetically satisfying seeing somebody get Slam through a table is always fun to watch, um, but I also do think it tips the uh, favor into Omas probably getting the victory here over Bobby Lashley at uh, the uh, Hell in a Cell event. So it was fine, and I didn't I didn't hate it. It was it was okay. Yeah, I, I just hope. I mean, unfortunately, like I mean, historically speaking, when you look at all these wrestlers that are like giants, I mean they they burn out so quickly. So for uh, don't get me wrong, Omos has has definitely improved on the mic and even just in ring skills. But it's like, you know, look at the great Kali he destroyed the Undertaker when he debuted, and you know he became a joke like three or four years later. It's like Omos would just be better as like I just I actually liked him when he was just sort of like a bodyguard for AJ Styles. And honestly, after like that squash match with AJ, like I I think he should have just kind of faded out, but. You know, Vince always just like these big wrestlers and he, he just can't, you know, come to terms with what the viewers want nowadays. And but, yeah, it's, you know, it, it, hopefully it, it turns into something positive for, for both these wrestlers. Um, I, I hope we don't see I hope we see maybe 30 seconds of MVP out in the ring. He's just he's just looking old and old. I mean, I know he can move around here and there, but it's just like get these old wrestlers out of here. Like there, there's a. You know, what, what do they do uh, for, like, uh, the Yankees and Red Sox when they have, like, uh, you know, alumni or retired guys come in? Oh, for, like, like old-timers a, day? Like, have, like, all that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they should do that with the wrestling. Uh, Gosh. Yeah, yeah I mean, so. MVP is definitely in the twilight of his career, especially when you look at the rest of the talent and you see, you know, like, Ricochet perform just before, you know, MVP comes out or something. It is a bit of a stark difference. Uh, but also the style of today's pro wrestling has is has evolved into a much more high flying style than you and I saw back in the ruthless aggression even era, uh, or even into the early PG era. So, uh, but yeah, maybe Omos after this can go back to guarding the uh, door and being a bouncer for Raw Underground or something. I mean that's I mean that that's what he first started out with was being that guy at the door of Raw Underground. But I think that this this matchup is going to be okay and it's going to showcase what Omos can do and the progress he's made. And I ultimately think that. Uh, he's going to get the victory, but 
yeah, um, I, I don't have much more to say about that. So uh, did you have anything else that you wanted to talk about with Raw or the product in general before we wrap things up? No, I mean, I just, uh, you know, I'm uh, I'm not sure if you're uh, a fan of The Office at all with oh, Michael yeah. Scott, but, you know, a quote I can always say is I'm prepared to get my, my heart broken again every week. Like, I, I think he, he recently was like single or got, you know, it was a breakup or something like that. So every, every Monday and Friday, I have high expectations and, you know, they rip my heart out, but I'm, I'm ready for it every week, <laughs> hoping for something. And, and I, I can't tell you how many times my wife's almost filed for divorce because I say that's what she said too many times. I mean, oh like, because she, she says so many different things and she's like, oh my God, it's so hard. I'm like, that's what she said. And she's like, she just gets so tired of it. Uh, it's just, I don't know. It's always right there and I have to bite my tongue. Um, and it's partly because of Michael Scott, but partly because it's just a hilarious line. Um, but yeah, I, I'm a big fan of The Office, Parks and Rec, all that stuff. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, it all, it all fits. Yeah. Um, and they're so rewatchable. Like you just pick a random episode and you're just like you know I want to turn my mind off for 20 minutes and you just you just do it and then it just keeps running and running and running and you get to the point of embarrassment where it's Netflix asks you are you still watching <laughs> you know um, oh and <laughs> well the the worst thing for me is like uh I've watched it so many times where I know a line's coming up before it happens so like I'll just be watching any show and you know Nicole my girlfriend will be there and I'll, I'll say something she's like what are you talking about I was like look at the screen and then five seconds later she's like you really got to get out of the house. You know, you're, you're getting cabin fever here, buddy. But, you know, but it is what it is. So Cool. Well, uh, Ian, it's been so much fun. I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, did you uh, want to share any social media or anything like that before you before we wrap things up? Any final comments or plugs, anything? Yeah. Um, you know, you guys, any anyone that's on here, um, you know, on Discord, you know, Whisper in the Wind. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at it's IanMac13. Um, I'm pretty, pretty social with, uh, all WWE content and, uh, you know, hope, hopefully like I've, I've said in the chat, you know, if anyone needs, you know, uh, a co-host for a night or a, a fill in, you know, I'm more than welcome to, I could talk, uh, you could ask my family. I talk about wrestling way too much, so I definitely need to be around people that want to listen to it. And, uh, you know, just, just want to give, you know, a nice little, you know, sh- uh, shout out to my, uh, my two nephews and niece, Asher Beckham and Landon, uh, they, uh, Asher and Beckham are five and eight. They actually went to WrestleMania backlash. Uh, I've never been to a pay-per-view and they already beat me to it to once. Um, so they have an amazing father treating him to that and just want to give a shout out to my, uh, beautiful girlfriend, Cole, that, you know, we're going to have our, uh, our first, uh, our first child, a baby boy, Wyatt McAllister in July. So, uh, Check in uh, 18 to 25 years and see if he's on Raw. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, no, you heard it here first. I mean, he's making his debut. And uh, like I said, brother, your life's going to change in a great way, but an exhausting way. And uh, you got a lot going on here uh, for sure. And uh, we'll definitely have to have you back on. And if anybody is interested, of course, in bringing you on, I would wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly recommend. I mean, you, you basically had your uh, – your 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 tryout here. I mean, like that's what you did right now. So uh, <laughs> if you made it this far, then I think that uh, you know if anybody listening has made it this far, then definitely they enjoyed the show. So uh, Ian, it's been a lot of fun. I really appreciate it. Uh, get your sleep while you can, and uh, you enjoy the rest of your night. 
Yeah, and uh, just anytime, give me tips on how to multitask, have a baby, and also watch wrestling. We'll we'll be in touch. And uh, you have a great night, man. Yeah, it, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, another story for another night. It's doable, but uh, yes. So you too, buddy. I'll talk to you later. All right, bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the WWE Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a show. Or head to wwepodcast.com. And for all of these shows ad-free, head over to patreon.com slash WWE Podcast. Until then, we'll see you next time.